Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Dave Berry, and I am fascinated by my next-door neighbour. His name is Neil Srinivesan, and he's a leading cardiologist. During our time as friends, I've become more and more curious about his work, and I've often been left with more questions about the medical profession than I've had answers. And in this special episode of The Doctor Next Door, sponsored by Medtronic, I'll be asking Neil the burning questions that keep me up at night, dissecting medical myths under his watchful eye, and doing my utmost to learn more about an industry that is quite literally a matter of life and death. But this podcast isn't just here to feed my own curiosities. Oh no, I want you to be involved with these conversations as well. Let Neil be your Doctor Next Door. So if you have any questions or your stories, of course, send them along to doctoratnextdoorpod.com right now. Oh, hang on a second. Here comes trouble. Hi, David. Good to see you. Hello, Doctor. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How have you been? Uh, I've been good. Well, the first thing I've got to ask you is, uh, I bumped into you in the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was raining heavily. Yeah. We were like ships in the night. <laughs> exactly. Um, you looked anxious. You looked worried. You looked concerned. And I thought maybe it was a medical matter. Maybe there was a patient who needed your help. But in fact, it was a much more pressing and trying topic. And that is, should you book a children's entertainer for your son's birthday, as well as the bouncy castle you'd already hired. Absolutely. You saw my stress <laughs> quite clearly on my face. I, I was running around like a madman. You were. I? And just down the road, I thought, there's a man who's got a bouncy castle-based dilemma. I, I saw it <laughs> straight away. So, I mean, I want to know, and now our dear listeners want to know, Yeah. what happened? Oh, we went with just the bouncy castle. Oh, it's a big shout. Yeah, because you had an entertainer, and I thought that was a great idea, but yeah. we went with just the bouncy castle. And then it was even more hilarious. It absolutely tipped it down. So the bouncy castle was kind of soaking. And as the air starts to bubble through the bouncy castle, there was like bubbles of water coming up. So it was like a foam bouncy castle. (laughs) And it was freezing. But the kids loved it. (laughs) Every kid seemed to have remembered to bring their waterproofs. They all took their socks off. And it was one of these um, really impressive bouncy castles, actually. It's not your standard bouncy castle. I don't know how my wife found this. He clearly has the speed dial for the best bouncy castle in London or whatever, right? And it it had a climbing bit so the kids could climb up. And if you fall, obviously, you just fall back down. I really wanted to go on it. Did you go on it? No. Come I didn't on. bring my waterproofs. Oh, okay. Now, the last time we actually communicated, though, ahead of the record here for the, this brand new edition of The Doctor Next Door, was I messaged you early in the morning. It was a frenzy. I needed your help when it came to brain freeze. Uh, now, you were concerned that I'd once again eaten three tubs of ice cream at 7.30 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. I, I was doing my breakfast show. And um, we were discussing the fact that my father-in-law, whilst we were on holiday... Um, had said that when he gets brain freeze from consuming cold food or drinks, he gets it in the back of his neck 
not here in his frontal lobe. And I was concerned that he, you know, might be unusual. So I, I needed to reach out to you to just to tell me, and I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but Neil, is my father-in-law normal? Your father-in-law is absolutely normal. And a lovely man, may I add. <laughs> um, so do people get brain freeze yeah, in different parts it, of their body? It can happen anywhere, remember? So actually, I remember you texting me because I was in a rush doing something. I was like, why is he asking me this at like 7.30 in the morning? <laughs> he seems really stressed. I was like, has he had like 10 tubs of yeah. ice cream or something to wake him up? Um, can you remember we asked you the question oh. about it? Yeah. That's, now, I, this was called? in the first episode mm -hmm. of this podcast. Yes. We talked about brain freeze. Yeah. And it was called, and my pronunciation might be slightly off, but I think it was called You are absolutely right. Yay! You've been doing Medical so well training. in your summer holiday from med school. <laughs> Sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. Yeah, Neil, I think that's what I said. Yeah. So uh, no need to correct me. Exactly. There. Um, <laughs> but you can get that all over your body, right? Yeah, well, mostly in your head, but it can be anywhere in your head, back of the eyes, back of the throat, upper palate. It's all because of the squeezing of the blood vessels in those regions that cause this sort of intense pain. And the pain can be referred anywhere, really. Uh, so if you are concerned about a member of your family, like I was my father-in-law, when it comes to uh, ice cream headache, you can go and revisit the first ever episode of Doctor Next Door and it'll make you feel a whole lot better. Now, Neil. As we've repeatedly established, you are not only one of the finest doctors in the country with years of experience, but you are a world-class cardiologist, which means your speciality is, of course, the heart. Now, for anyone wondering, no, Dr. Neil won't be offering any advice on finding love throughout mm. these three special editions of the podcast. There are plenty of other podcasts that do that already. Uh, because of your expertise in this field, the fine people, and that's the only word for them, the fine people at Medtronic have sponsored us to do a special series of episodes of The Doctor Next Door, a cardiovascular spectacular, if you will. So over the coming episodes, I'm going to be bringing you some burning questions all about the health of our hearts. And this time out, well, it is all about atrial fibrillation because this week is Global Atrial Fibrillation Week. And I've got to be honest, that's the first time I've ever said those two words out loud. Wow. So you're going to learn something today. So first of all, can I abbreviate to AF? Of course you can. That's the most common abbreviation and that's what most people know it as. So what is AF and who is affected? Great question, David. And such an important topic and a really important week this week to raise awareness about AF. AF is the most common heart rhythm abnormality that we will see as heart rhythm specialists. It affects something like 18 million people across Europe. Wow. And what happens in atrial fibrillation is there's a dysregulation in the way in which the heart beats. So your normal heart has chambers on the top of the heart. They're called atrium. And there are chambers in the bottom of the heart called ventricles. And how the heart pumps is that the top chambers, the atria, fill. Then they squeeze. And to, in order to squeeze, a wave of electricity passes across those chambers. So the wave of electricity just goes in an ordered fashion, squeezes and makes the blood empty. And then it goes to the bottom chamber and makes them squeeze. And when you're sleeping, then it's nice and slow. When you're exercising, the brain tells that wave of electricity to speed up and go faster when you're doing park run, for instance. Okay. In atrial fibrillation, it's chaos. It's disordered. And that top chamber is all over the place. It can be beating up to 600 times a minute. 
but the bottom chamber will respond irregularly in response to that. So you, sometimes you'll have a slow heart rate, sometimes you'll have a really fast heart rate, and it's irregular and all over the place. So what are the kind of dangers and the risks? I mean, obviously it affects so many people across Europe, as you just said. Yeah. Well, what, are, what are they? So the biggest problem with atrial fibrillation is stroke. About a quarter of all strokes in this country are caused by atrial fibrillation. Goodness. And so what happens, as we talked about, this discoordinated, irregular beating of the top chamber causes clots to form. And when those clots form in that upper chamber of the heart, they fly off to the brain and cause major strokes. And the type of strokes you get with atrial fibrillation, because the clots are often really big, are hugely disabling. Patients often do not get back to their full independence. Mm -hmm. A lot of patients don't even get back home. They end up in care or needing some help in care. Mm -hmm. And they end up spending a long time in hospital receiving a lot of support and physio and rehabilitation to try and get out of hospital. So AF is a huge, huge risk factor for this and is one of the biggest you know, problems that we face as a medical profession to, to manage and treat. So, I mean, this is concerning. This is scary to hear. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, what could be happening at the end of this if someone is affected by AF, you know, what, what the future could look like for them. What do we do between, you know, this moment now of feeling okay and, and that moment? How do we go about realising if this is coming our way? How do experts like yourself, you know, monitor this? Tell us to watch out. What do we do about it? Well, we face several challenges in atrial fibrillation, but the biggest challenge we have in atrial fibrillation is education of patients, education of the types of symptoms you get with atrial fibrillation to detect it. Okay. If we could detect atrial fibrillation earlier in patients, if we could prevent strokes in these patients, if we could prevent the symptoms that they get from atrial fibrillation, we can have a huge impact on our patients. In your lifetime, you have a 50% risk of developing atrial fibrillation. And after the age of about 60, 65, about 20% of us will experience atrial fibrillation in some way. So that's a huge amount of our population who are hidden and do not realize they're getting atrial fibrillation. So it's key to recognize the symptoms of atrial fibrillation. I understand now why there is a week dedicated to this. I had absolutely no idea yeah. just how many people are affected by this and, and the risks and percentages of it in everybody's life. It's, it's incredible. So what are those things? What can we do? How can we help ourselves and help you to help us in the long run? So, so the symptoms of atrial fibrillation are often very vague and a lot of people put off going to see the doctor, put off checking their pulse or getting some way of having an ECG, which is a heart rhythm recording to see if you've got atrial fibrillation. Um, because they you know, dismiss these symptoms. Symptoms can be as simple as breathlessness because your heart's beating all over the place and you can't exercise as well. Tiredness, you might be more tired, more fatigued, because again, if your heart is beating irregularly, if your heart is beating fast, it's almost like you're running a marathon all the time. So if you suddenly start feeling tiredness, fatigue, breathlessness, and inability to exercise as well as you normally sh should be able to, so you're climbing up the stairs and then suddenly you feel, hmm, I can't quite get up the stairs, I need to take a breather here. You need to think, could this be atrial fibrillation? Could I, could I be somebody who's at risk of this? Should I be checking my pulse? Should I be going to my doctor and checking my ECG or getting somebody to check if I've got atrial fibrillation? There are also a whole host of apps, the Apple Watch, Samsung Watch, Fitbits, all these things that check for your pulse and are able to then say you might have atrial fibrillation, give you an opportunity to then see your doctor and then confirm that. So we need to be using all of the tools we have, smart technology, et cetera. The other thing that 
patients often present with atrial fibrillation is palpitations. So if you feel, mm, my heart is skipping a beat, my heart is beating really fast, it's pounding through my chest, particularly if it's like stop-start, I feel these palpitations, they're going really fast, they're beating irregularly, then that is a time to make sure you check your pulse if you can, check your pulse and see if it's regular or irregular, but more importantly and most importantly, try and get to a doctor try and get a heart rhythm recording because that will help confirm things and go from there. I mean, there. I, th I think I, might, I have to ask because there'll be so many people listening to this right now as I am. When you say you feel a palpitation or you feel your, you know, your kind of heart skip a beat, want of a better word, um, how, how often are we talking? Because that does happen to people quite regularly and then they go on about their day and it doesn't happen again. Yeah. So, so, so if, if this is like, oh, this happened yesterday, it's happened again today, mm -hmm. and it happens again the next day, it's time to do something, it, or as soon as it happens, when do we act? So it's more about the nature of, of things. We all get the old skipped heartbeat. We all get a bit where we go thud in the chest. But if you get a sustained episode, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, hours, where the heart is pounding away really fast, okay, and I it see. doesn't feel regular, yeah. you should get that checked out straight 100%. away. Okay. Yeah, If it keeps happening then even more reason to get that checked out straight away. The nature of atrial fibrillation often is actually that it's progressive. So what I often get in clinic is patients who say, well, you know what, in my 40s, I went to my GP and you know, I had this pounding chest suddenly. I was on holiday, went to Ibiza or something like that, had some drinks next morning, had this pounding chest, felt irregular, didn't feel right. He said, you're probably just anxious, don't worry about it. Then when in my 50s, again, I got these sort of palpitations, I was cycling. And, you know, I suddenly got these palpitations. I couldn't go up the hill, couldn't cycle, etc., like that. Couldn't do these things. Oh, again, I went to the doctor. They said, your pulse is normal, your ECG is normal. And then finally, you know, in my late 50s, early 60s, I got the sustained episode. I felt dizzy. I felt breathless. I had palpitations. I couldn't walk. I went to A&E or went to my doctor and I was picked up. The ECG showed atrial fibrillation. So it's often progressive over time. And so there's these opportune moments across time to try and pick them up. And it's important to just not dismiss your symptoms and go, actually, I did see someone in my 40s. They said it was just anxiety. I'll be fine. It's important to recheck these things because uh -huh. the opportunity to catch these episodes is, is, is quite hard. There are monitors that we can put on people, long-term ECGs, et cetera, et cetera, to increase the chances of catching this. And in some people, the atrial fibrillation is very hard to diagnose. It comes and goes. Over time, the general history tends to be that eventually at some point, people who have atrial fibrillation will be stuck in that rhythm all the time. And then it also becomes a different beast. So we talked about the risk of stroke. But when people are in atrial fibrillation all the time, that's called permanent or persistent atrial fibrillation. It's not going in and out, which is known as paroxysmal atrial fibrillation. Then you start going into the realms of there's risks of heart failure in this condition because it starts to dilate the heart, starts to make the valves in the heart leaky as the heart starts to dilate because the way in which the heart is filling is not normal. And there's a huge amount of evidence that says that if we can try and control your rhythm, so diagnose your rhythm, try and prevent strokes, and try and control your rhythm to stop you getting lots of this atrial fibrillation, we can make you live longer, we can prevent heart failure, and we can prevent strokes. Well, I mean, you know, the, the reason we wanted to come along here and do three special editions of the Doctor Next Door podcast was because you and Medtronic, you work together. This is clearly very important to you as a cardiologist. And that's why we're trying to get the message out there. And, and what you said there, I think the thing to pick up on here is that 
it's pretty bad news. If you are feeling any of the things that Neil has just mentioned, then do go and seek professional help. You know, don't be ever be afraid to go and do that. It is the smart thing to do. Um, and you bought some kind of, we have a show and tell on absolutely. the podcast, which I'm so excited about. So what have you bought with you for episode so, one? So yeah, absolutely. I brought, I brought some special things for you to see okay. today. So when we're talking about atrial fibrillation, and we mentioned earlier, you know, some people say atrial fibrillation is, it comes and goes. So you come to me and say, oh, Neil, I had some palpitations for an hour. It was all over the place. and It's gone away. And then by chance, I have something on my phone or something. I'll pick up atrial fibrillation on you. That's fine. And then there's also this group of patients, as we said, eventually they get stuck in atrial fibrillation. The first bit in managing atrial fibrillation is preventing strokes. The next bit in managing atrial fibrillation is trying to treat the person, right? And trying to treat the symptoms. Uh -huh. In some people, where the symptoms are not very frequent, it's once a year, once every five years, it's reasonable once we've sorted out the risk of strokes and worked out how we're going to treat that. And the way in which you treat that is to give certain people who are at high risk of strokes, blood thinners, they can be life-saving and they really significantly reduce your risk of strokes. And nowadays, modern blood thinners are so simple to take. You just take a tablet once a day, no blood tests, nothing else, and they're super safe. The next bit is how do we manage your symptoms? And if you were to tell me then, okay, Neil, actually I'm getting symptoms every week now or three times a week or four times a week. They last ages. I was doing my show the other day and I fainted because as I stood up, my heart went into atrial fibrillation. I was feeling tired that day anyway, and I was dehydrated. I can be that good, actually, on air. I can be, <laughs> I take my own breath away sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then, so one way, then we think, well, actually, I need to make sure that Dave can get to his show. He doesn't have atrial fibrillation. So one way is to treat that with tablets, and there are a whole host of medications we can give you to try and treat that. But in general, tablets don't work so well. Only about 40% of people get good control of their symptoms with tablets alone. And so we have some procedures that we do to try and improve the likelihood of you then maintaining a normal rhythm okay. or going back into a normal rhythm, which would hopefully improve your symptoms and reduce your risk of um, heart failure and valve disease from atrial fibrillation. So I've got something very exciting for you today. I love this. It's something I used this morning, actually, on a patient. Um, it's not the same thing I used in the patient. This is a prop. <laughs> I'd like to let you know. Yeah, you've rinsed so it under the tap. It's not you? been in some. I've rinsed exactly. Put it in it's someone's heart. It's not been in someone. There aren't many careers <laughs> in the world where you can actually say that, and, yeah. it's, and it's actually true. So, uh, okay, so have my, a look at my this. Eye? Yeah, of okay. course you um, can. We of course are across the socials. The doctor next door. We're going to take pictures. There's videos. There's lots to be seen uh, if you're interested. But Neil, would you start by telling me a what this is, and b doing your best to use your words as a paintbrush and okay. describe it for those who are just keeping it locked to the podcast right now, yeah. haven't got time to faff about with any social okay. media footage. So in atrial fibrillation, the reason the top chambers start beating all over the place is that the upper top chamber on the left, called the left atrium, mm -hmm. that chamber basically has four holes where the blood comes in. And it's at the lips of those holes that the tissue starts to fire off and cause atrial fibrillation. So if you imagine it like a pipe like this, and the pipe then turns into a circular balloon structure. And what we need to do is damage the tissue around that pipe, around the lip in the upper chamber, to stop it sparking off and causing atrial fibrillation. And by doing that, we're able to then allow the patients to go back into normal rhythm because the areas in the chamber that are sparking off are not active anymore. They're not causing you to go into atrial fibrillation. So this thing here is called a catheter. So, it's yeah, we, we have a long, thin blue tube. This long, thin blue tube would go in from your groin on your right-hand side, 
And in your groin, you have two big blood vessels. One is an artery, and the other one is a vein about the size of my index finger. Uh -huh. So this tube would go into that vein there, and I would float this up all the way up to your heart. So I would take it, and I would pass this up from your leg, gently up that way to your heart. Okay? Can I ask silly questions? That's why I'm here. That's why this, how this podcast Please works. Please do it. Go on. Um, is it, it's on the outside of all of my stuff, isn't it? It's like, inside, what I mean, would no, I be able to feel it through my skin? No, it's inside I mean, is your it body. on this side of my rib cage? No. Or is it inside going through my... No, it's deep inside your body. So almost up to almost here. Almost by your ribs, at the back of your spine, almost. So it'd be really deep. And that's where that blood vessel runs, really deep, you know, in your abdomen, wow. deep inside your abdomen. Then I'm inside your heart, because that pipe, all the veins of your legs go up to the heart, right? And they drain into your heart. They drain all the used up blood so that okay. it can go to the lungs get oxygen and come back round. So I'm using that as a tool to get into your heart. So once I'm in there, there is a wall between the right and the left of the heart. And I make a tiny pinhole, really tiny pinhole with a very fine needle and pop this across that wall to the left-hand side of the heart. When I'm there, now you're gonna get to do something very exciting. Now this tube is now in the left-hand upper chamber of your heart where there are four holes that are causing the atrial fibrillation. So what happens is, I'm going to give this to you. If you hold that, you are the surgeon, David, today, and I am the assistant. Okay. Okay. At keep, last. Keep looking at the tip. All right. Oh, wow. So that inflates so, into a little balloon. Okay, so at the end of the blue thin tube, mm -hmm. there was just a tiny little plastic nothing that was doing... Wasn't doing anything to this. Wasn't contributing yeah. anything was to like the medical that. equipment. And at the other end, there is a large syringe. Yeah. Which, when Neil pushes, pushes air through the little blue tube. That's right. And causes this tiny little balloon, which is about the size of a grape, mm -hmm. to inflate. Correct. So what's that doing? So actually, the, the you said air, but we use a special type of gas that is very cold. And what happens is then, if you imagine, I said we need to get to those pipes, those holes, and then we press a button and it freezes. And it goes really, really cold. Minus 60 inside your heart. Wow. But uh, remember we said um, about ice cream headache? Patients will get an ice cream headache yeah. from this when we're doing oh. it, if they're awake. Yeah? We don't even plan this stuff. Yeah. I love it that we don't plan this stuff when it comes around full circle. Amazing. Yes. High fives. <laughs> We've still oh, yeah. got it, Neil. We've still got We've it. We've not done this since the middle of July. We've yeah. still got it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Yes, carry on. Okay. So but when that dust goes there and freezes, that takes away the tissue. And that damages that tissue in that chamber that's causing the atrial fibrillation so that you don't get atrial fibrillation anymore or tries to reduce your chances. Wow. And by doing this, this can be done in under an hour, about 20 minutes or so into that in that chamber, and then you sort of come out, the whole procedure is about an hour or so. And it it, about 70 to 80% of people will have a you know, reduction or complete um, abolition of their atrial fibrillation. And about 95% of people will come back to me in clinic and say, actually, even if I do get palpitations, it's hardly anything anymore. I'm completely fine. You've really helped me. So one of the things that was a returning theme when, when we started this podcast, Neil, which, I, which was a really important message to put out there, was never be scared to ask the medical professional in your world about as many questions as you want, you know, because you have to feel comfortable. You have to feel reassured by what's going to happen if you're able to do that. This process, this piece of equipment that we've just been kind of mm -hmm. studying and you've been showing me, 
obviously this goes on, as you've just said, to, to help change people's lives for the better. Absolutely. It helps them avoid some, some terrible circumstances that they could otherwise be facing. Mm -hmm. Is this a very involved piece of surgery from your perspective? Or would this just be a kind of... I don't want to, you know, use the term bish bash bosh, <laughs> bread and butter when it comes to your life saving work. But would that be in that wheelhouse? Absolutely. I mean, I would. There's nothing to fear for anybody having this done. It's just going to improve like, their quality of life Absolutely. and life in general. Absolutely. I mean, with this type of thing, which is called uh, catheter ablation, this procedure, and this is a balloon called a cryo balloon. You know, we've had nearly 1.52 million people around the world have had this procedure. It's extremely safe. It's very quick and efficient. It takes me about an hour, hour and a half at most to do these procedures. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last week, the other week, I had four of them in one day. They're really very routine. So bread and butter is absolutely right. In fact, Neil's so good at doing these, when he inflated the little cryo balloon just now, he then uh, put it under his jacket and did a balloon animal. Uh, it was a poodle. <laughs> Okay, time now on the podcast to turn the metaphorical operating table and for you to ask me the questions. Yes, it is the return of my medical training. Now, regular listeners to the podcast may remember that I fought tooth and nail for every single point and half point, meaning at the end of 26 episodes, I achieved 55 out of 90 in my medical training a 61% success rate, giving me a grade B. Yeah, that was very impressive, David. Can you, as a medical professional, uh, you can speak for yourself or your colleagues, can you forget how to do things with time? Absolutely. You Good, get because rusty I've become with very things. rusty, very, very rusty. <laughs> You've indeed. had the classic med, med school summer holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, so that is a thing, right? Yeah, three months. I spent some time in Africa, Malaysia. <laughs> All sorts of places. Came back India. Like, how do I do this? And then this? I went, yeah, hang on a minute. Yeah, I've been a Buddhist for like three months. What do I do here? <laughs> um, okay, so you have got three questions Absolutely. for me. And we know that you love playing along where you are. It is time to continue my medical training. Your first question is. Mm. Question one. How many litres of blood does the heart pump every minute? Is it A five litres? Is it B, nine litres? Or is it C, 13 litres? I am so relieved we've started with the old multiple choice. Yeah. Okay. Okay, got it. Question two. To regulate its beating, the heart has its own electrical impulse. We talked a bit about that in our AF discussion earlier. But can you tell me how long the heart can keep beating when it's separated from the human body? Is it A, 10 seconds? Yeah. Is it B, one minute? Okay. Or is it C, five minutes? You mean you're completely separated from the human yeah. body? So I'm here, and my heart, little Davy's over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Tough one. This throws everything. But you do get a bit of multiple air. choice. Yeah. Helps you. Okay. All right. Okay, last question. Your favourite, David. True or false? Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. The thinking man's multiple choice. Exactly. <laughs> Cardiac catheterization is a procedure used to examine the heart that involves inserting a catheter, a tube, into the heart via the veins in your arm or your leg, and sometimes the arteries. So my question related to cardiac catheterization is, true or false? 
Was cardiac catheterization first performed in a conscious human on an inmate in London's Newgate prison? Okay, I've had my guess at it. After these very important messages, Dr. Neil will be telling us how we've all done in Dave's medical training. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Hello and welcome back to our special atrial fibrillation episode sponsored by Medtronic. Now before the break, Dr. Neil had some more medical training for me and it's time to find out how we have done. Doctor, are you armed with the answers? I'm ready. Are you? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. So if you remember, your first question was, how many litres of blood does the heart pump every minute? And your options were A, 5, B, 9... Or C, 13. What did you go for? I went for A, 5. Wow. Yeah. You're on fire. Yes. Well done. You had a good break in the summer. Brain's yeah. fresh. I was going to go for B, 9 because mm. 9 is my lucky number. Okay. Because when I was a child, the He-Man fan club told me that 9 was my lucky number. But I thought if I'm going to progress as a medical professional, basing my medical knowledge around... He-Man. He-Man's lucky number. <laughs> probably isn't the Maybe best not. path to follow. Exactly. Got it. Okay, five. So, so you're absolutely right. About five litres or so in the average human. But actually it can increase to around 30 litres a minute when you're exercising. When I wow. saw you doing that park run the other day... <laughs> Stop thought, trying I to bet. get me to do a park run. It's never going to happen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Although I respect people that do, just yeah. for the record. Right. So I've got a point. Yeah, you did. Lovely stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Okay. The second question was, to regulate its beating, the heart has its own electrical impulse, but can you tell me how long the heart can beat when it's been separated from the human body? I mean... So your options were A, 10 seconds, B, 1 minute, and C, 5 minutes. I don't like doubling up on answers on mm -hmm. multiple choice, but I've had to go for A just because I find the other two freakishly long. No. What is it? It's five minutes. The heart will beat separate, separated to the human body for yeah. five minutes. Yeah. You knew that and you chose to be a cardiologist. Yeah. It's weird, man. Fascinating, it's right? It's weird. What you do is weird. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what? You mean so, it all got, it all like, yeah, it'll so beat in like a, a Petri dish like over Absolutely, here? Absolutely. Because we remember we talked about the heart has its own impulses. It fires from the top chamber to the bottom chamber with its own electrical system. Yeah. And when you get AF, for instance, that goes out of... Out of kilter right the heart okay. beating, beating all over the place the electrical system goes all over the place well the heart has its own store of energy the cells have their own store of energy and they can survive and use up that store of energy for up to five minutes so if you take it out and watch it it'll just beat on its own until it runs out of energy has its own system goodness me incredible okay. and and if you you know for example heart transplants and stuff if you put them in a box of ice and perfuse it with the right amount of liquid and stuff that gives you energy Last several hours. In oh, the to ice transport box. them to, to transport. where they need to go. Absolutely. God, such an amazing, amazing thing organ, the human right? body, isn't it? I yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, so I've, I've skipped a beat there. Okay. Pardon the pun. 
not going to chase a half point, were you? No, no, you're right. <laughs> not this year. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, right. so the final. Okay, the final question was a true or false, your favourite type. And yeah. it was true or false. Was cardiac catheterization first performed in the conscious human on an inmate in London's Newgate prison? True or false? True. False. <sighs> yeah. First, first performed by a German surgeon in 1929. He, ex he examined the inside of his own heart by threading a little catheter up his arm, the type of one I just showed you earlier, yeah. all the way up his arm, and then taking an x-ray of it and showing it could be done. What, like on his lunch break? Yeah. Hans, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> Werner, actually, his name was. Okay. Werner Forsman. I, I just literally grabbed. <laughs> What's a German name that I know? Okay. So I've got one out of three on my medical yeah, training. But it's all right. I mean, I'm quite impressed you got the first one. Well, I think they were very hard. You're always very, very kind. So there we go. I got one out of three. I hope you fared better on your medical training out there. And of course, there'll be another three questions along in the next episode of the podcast. Now, The Doctor Next Door isn't just about Dr. Neil and myself. We love it when you get in touch and share your questions and stories. So email us anytime you like, doctor at nextdoorpod.com, or you can find us on the socials at docnextdoorpod, where, of course, for this particular episode, you can see Dr. Neil Srinivesan's show and tell. So it's time for this week's correspondence. And it comes from Henry, who says, Hello, Dave and Dr. Neil. Earlier this year, I suffered some heart problems and the doctors put me on a drug called Flecainide. I'm a bit nervous to take it as it's a drug I've never taken before. How do I know that I'm not going to have a bad reaction to the drugs I'm prescribed? Any advice or reassurance would be much appreciated. As I say, that's from Henry. Henry, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. So I suppose whether it be matters of the heart or, or any medical condition, people are apprehensive and, and nervous to take drugs, Neil. That must be something that you encounter all of the time in your profession. Absolutely. Thanks, Henry, for writing in. I think it's really important to highlight that. You know, what you're experiencing is completely normal and a lot of people have these worries. We all go through life thinking, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I haven't got any problems. And then suddenly somebody makes a diagnosis and says, OK, you've got a heart problem. Suddenly feels very scary. And hopefully as part of this episode, we've broken that down into the fact that actually if you seek advice, if you listen to medical professionals, there's an opportunity here to, you know, prevent some of the dangerous sequelae of a lot of the problems that, you know, can happen with heart issues, atrial fibrillation, etc. All drugs can have some degree of side effects, but the majority of drugs that we prescribe to patients are really well tolerated. Flecainide, for instance, is an extremely well-tolerated drug. In so many patients that I give it to, I very rarely get patients who come back and say, I had a side effect from it. I'm sure as part of your counselling for the drug, you were advised about some of the side effects. And I think the key really is to just keep an eye out for some of those side effects. It might be tiredness, mm -hmm. it might be breathlessness, it might be lethargy, could be a skin rash, those kind of things. In general, even if you do have those side effects there's always options. So a lot of patients will come back to me, I'll warn them and say, you know, I'm going to start you on this drug. These are a couple of things that you should be wary of. Come back and tell me if you tolerate it or not. And if they come back and say, listen, okay, I've tried this drug for a week or so. It's really flooring me. I feel really tired. I feel really breathless. I can't function normally. I've got brain fog, whatever. Then we'll stop it and we can try something else. But I think it's important to try something to help your heart or to try something to help your medical condition in general 
give it a chance and then see what happens because the majority of patients really tolerate these drugs extremely well. I could imagine, as you say, one of the possible side effects of something like flecainide is breathlessness. If you've had a, a heart problem, mm -hmm. that's almost the last side effect that you need exactly. from a kind of morale perspective, if anything else. Yeah. You know, so it must be quite, it's important to go back and ask those questions. But what you're saying is, should Henry be experiencing a side effect like that, then yeah. go and ask. talk to somebody, but exactly. it's, it's, probably, it's probably all okay. Exactly, because there are a whole, whole host of medications we can give patients. Flecainide is one of a armory of about four, five, six different drugs that I use for palpitations, for instance. And so I always tell patients, you know, there's you know, four, five, six different options. We try one, we see how you go. If it doesn't work for you, come back and we'll see from there. Henry, I hope the doctor has put your mind at rest. Once again, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. You can as well. It is doctor at nextdoorpod.com. We are doing three special editions of the podcast focused on the heart alongside our new best friends at Medtronic. So if you have concerns about your own heart or there's somebody in your family group or your friendship group and you would like to ask one of the world's leading cardiologists a question, as I say, it's doctor at nextdoorpod.com. And that's it from this episode of The Doctor Next Door. As ever, thank you to my regular co-host and my next door neighbour, Dr. Neil Srinivasan, and a special thank you to Medtronic for sponsoring this episode. We'll be back again next time when Dr. Neil will again be guiding us through the medical world. I'll have another burning question and we'll be answering more of your questions as well. Please do rate, review and subscribe from wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you do know a doctor, a nurse, a medical professional who you think might like what you've just heard, then do let them know. Now, as you can imagine, I've been shaken to my very core by the image of Dr. Werner inserting his own catheter into his heart via his arm, so I'm going to have a little lie down. So please, all of you, get out of my house. A note from our sponsors, Medtronic. See the device manual for information regarding the instructions for use, indications, contradictions, warnings, precautions and potential adverse events. For further information, contact your local Medtronic representative and or consult the Medtronic website at www.medtronic.eu. For applicable products, consult instructions for use on manuals.medtronic.com. Reminder, the data and content included in this podcast express only the clinical perspective of us, the presenters. They are completely independent and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Medtronic. This information is intended only for users in markets where Medtronic products and therapies are approved or available for use as indicated within the respective product manuals. Content on specific Medtronic products and therapies is not intended for users in markets that do not have authorization for use. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 